Welcome to Financial Discretion Advised. Uh, I'm Tyler Hafford. I have again on the podcast. You let uh, me back. Yeah. Another time. Founder of uh, Penobscot Financial Advisor, our Chief Investment Officer, uh, Jim Bradley. Thank uh, you so much, Tyler. I'm glad you could make it in. I, I'm glad you made it into the office. I thought I was going to have to go chip you out of the ice outside. <laughs> As we speak, I think the temperature is just about to start creeping above zero here in Bangor, Maine. So. Yep. Uh, which kind of feels like the market these days, just trying to get into that positive. Uh, have, have Jim on today. Want to talk a, a couple of things. Want to talk some headline stuff about market corrections and what we're seeing right now in the market. And anyone who has turned to news station on in the past week has probably seen some pretty scary headlines. So just want to talk about what's going on there. Um, also want to dive into a topic that Jim tackled in his latest blog. So anyone who's listening to this, who doesn't realize uh, that Penobscot Financial Advisors also puts out a blog, uh, Jim, write one, Jim writes one every week uh, tackling different topics. In this uh, latest blog that he put out was on social security. Um, what's wrong with it? Uh, how do we fix it? What's going on there? Want to pick his brain and get some ideas on that. And then we'll finish up with a financial planning strategy of utilizing the HSA, um, which is kind of broken into the mainstream lately. Um, and we're becoming what the cool kids are doing. <laughs> or at least the really healthy ones. <laughs> um, but let's let's dive in to, to market corrections. So, Jim, uh, you been in the industry a, a heck of a lot longer than I have. Uh, and that's not a knock on your age, but more on. Uh, the wisdom you bring to this, right? So what we're seeing today, the market the other day, I think hit that key number, right? 10%. Can you kind of get into what a market correction is? Sure. That's a good question. Uh, you know, and the, and the word correction should be a little bit of a hint there, you know, isn't a correction considered in most places in the world, a good thing. Right. Um, but, uh, uh, and, and frankly, you know, I guess, you alluded to it, so I'll just keep on running with it. Yeah, I'm old and grizzled and have uh, been in this uh, for for a while. And uh, and frankly, when I see it now, it actually does feel like a correction. So maybe you just have to go through a few of them. I think, <laughs> what's the statistic that the market, quote unquote, corrects on average every, what, 16 yeah, months? Yeah, 13 or, or 16 like months, depending on who you're talking to, I think. Right. So, uh, and some somebody from some, you know, office somewhere uh, where they set these kinds of standards decided that a correction is a movement of 10% or more from a peak to uh, a trough sure. at some point in the market's progression. Yep. Um, and that's and that's essentially what we saw this past week. The, the NASDAQ beat the rest of the market to it uh, as the tech stocks kind of sold off. Um, and we, we'll get into why some of this is happening. But like you said, healthy function of the market um, you know, if it happens every 13, 16 months, we've been pretty spoiled lately and haven't right. seen a ton of this. Um, but it seems like coming out of the pandemic, we not only recovered in a couple of months, but we just kept going up, um, without much of a check of that. Um, just seems like maybe we hit that point where the market needs to, to take a breather. Sure. Um, unfortunately we don't have that crystal ball to, if we're going to go up or, or this is going to become a bear market. Um, which is a little bit more uh, kind of a negative decline. But want to get into what are you seeing? What do you think is kind of sparking this correction? It's a great point. And, and, and you, you, you bring up, you know, a, a valid argument that, you know, uh, uh, the corrections are there for a reason. And without them, frankly, 
that's where I start getting nervous. Yeah. Um, and, and I think you and I talked about this quite a lot over the past year. Uh, you know, could really stand to see some of the air let out of this every <laughs> once in a while. It really doesn't matter, you know, uh, on your pro- trajectory, whether you go, you know, smoothly up over time or whether it's jagged, you end up in the same place. Right. And this is adding a little uh, dimension of that. What's causing it? Gosh, you know, a correction like this one, I think, is simply the market using latching on to some kind of logic as to why it should go down when really it probably should go down a little bit yeah uh, it just got a little bit uh, uh, ahead of itself so what's the logic the market's using this time <laughs> you know take your pick yeah. uh, we've got interest rates uh, uh, potentially on their way up and that just fundamentally changes the valuation of stocks if you look at a stock as pr- their price as being a discounted value of their future cash flows you're raising rates you're increasing that discount rate, discounting it further, and yep. lo and behold, you get lower prices. Um, if uh, uh, you know, inflation is, a, is another uh, uh, boogeyman that we've been able to kind of call out this time, um, and it's a legitimate uh, worry, it's kind of related to those rate increases. Um, and then, you know, boy, we've got lots of, you know, potential headlines, uh, you know, geopolitical uh, uh, tensions, a, a, a military uh, risk uh, that's, you know, been, been uh, a, you know, uh, given kind of credit for being the, the biggest, uh, biggest uh, mark of aggression since World War II yep. uh, on the Russian Crimean border, um, a, 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 a infrastructure bill that doesn't seem to want to be able to get to move forward uh, through lots of different yeah. things. But at the end of the day, these are always going to be headlines out there. It's just a matter of what the market's going to use to kind of justify its movements. And, and I think you hit it right. It's not that we have just this abnormal news cycle going on. There's always bad news out there if the market wants to look for it. Um, which kind of further points to this is just a healthy function of what the market does and then uses what it needs to. I talked about the NASDAQ kind of beating us uh, to the correction levels before the S&P and the Dow followed suit. Um, A lot of that, a lot of talk around that is that they are raising rates to fight inflation, right? And the Fed is saying that we're going to do that. What we see is the market really didn't care about inflation. What it cares about is the tools in which we use to rein it in, right? Especially large growing tech companies who need to borrow money uh, interest rates are they're fairly sensitive to it, and they kind of led this sell-off. Well, Sam and I in our last podcast talked about this, and I know Jimmy and I have talked about it. Those big growth companies put the market on its back and pulled us out of the out of the the crash of 2020, and we're also riding that roller coaster when they come backwards, right? right. And they yank the market with them. Hey, these um, companies move; uh, th- these kinds of stocks move more substantially in both directions, right? And and the market's kind of subject to go yep. in that direction as long as these companies are as big as they are. Um, before we move on to the next topic, what should investors do? Investors should take uh, take uh, inventory of the fact that what a market correction is is a part of the volatility that's that the stock market is made out of. Right. Stock market volatility are not too inter you know they're 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 two words. Just put them together and yep. learn to live with it and learn to appreciate it because the way I like to put it, the volatility is what you're getting paid for. 
Yeah. Okay. If you want no volatility, there are options out there and they don't pay all that yeah. very well. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and they're probably going to set you behind the rate of inflation over time. Right. If you want to get more of a rate of return, the reason you're getting this rate of return is because of the volatility. It's because of the fact that, uh, you know, that not everybody's jumping on it all at once. Right. Uh, and it's because of the volatility. And if the market just went straight up, all of us would be having these conversations on our yachts and, and uh, everything would be just kind of really hunky-dory. I think you hit it, Jim. We're putting our money at a certain amount of risk and everyone's risk is different. The, what you get out of that risk is should be your rate of return for, you know, you put it out there. And with that comes the volatility of the market. So, uh, you know, don't panic when the market's doing its correction. Make sure you have long-term goals, long-term strategy in place and just kind of trust the process. The good news is, Every single market crash and every single market correction in U.S. history has recovered. So far, we're at 100%. Just got just to gotta give it the time <laughs> to do so. Um, all right, let's jump into the next topic, Social Security. Um, Jim has been on the podcast before, talked about Social Security. So if you guys missed that, go back and check it out. He gives a really good breakdown of how you end up with your benefit, how, the, how Social Security works. Um, that's not the discussion we want to look at today. What we want to look at is I get a lot of phone calls from folks very worried about the Social Security system. Um, so, Jim, where are we in Social Security? Is it broken um, or it, is it not what we expected it to look like at this point? It's a great question. And as you as you have probably alluded to in the past, I'm pretty interested in this being uh, getting closer to actually uh, having Social Security pay out for me. So let's back up just a little bit and paint a picture of what social security is. Very simply, it's a social program whereby money getting paid in over time is being paid out as it comes in for the most part to uh, uh, recipients uh, of social security. So we can stop right there and kind of differentiate that from things like a 401k plan or something like that where money's building up for an individual for them to, to take down. By and, by and large, the money isn't building up. Back in the 30s, when this thing was first uh, invented, there were a lot more people paying into Social Security than taking out, and people had a life expectancy of about 65 years, and lo and behold, that was the Social Security age. Yep. So that worked out really well from a math standpoint. The baby boomers have retired. Um, people are having fewer children to support us in our older age yep. with this kind of a system, and that's creating... Uh, a bit of a problem where not as much money is going in to pay out the people. We created a bit of a trust fund to kind of absorb that, but now that trust fund is now started to go down. And uh, as Social Security itself will be very blunt in telling you that trust fund is projected now to evaporate entirely sometime down the road. And that sometime down the road is getting kind of a little bit earlier and earlier. Um, a lot of the thought within the next 11 to 12 years, um, it would be gone. Once it's gone, then that cushion uh, to kind of support us there by virtue of the fact that less money is coming in that's coming out isn't there. So only the money that's going in will be able to come out. Right. And that money really doesn't support the whole social security uh, draw. They say about 80% is what they're kind of estimating right now. Yeah. So if you have a dollar coming out of so, so that's supposed to be coming out of social security, ostensibly the, the issue is that will not be a dollar, it would be 80, 80 cents. cents. Okay. 
And and you alluded to this, you know, when this was set up, I, I think it was something maybe 40 workers for every one recipient, or there's some metric there that measures. It was a lot of people lots paying into this program for, for supporting one person. We're almost down to two people. Just about two people for every one person. Yeah, right. so if you are a, uh, uh, you know, a, a couple, and right. you've both worked your entire life, so you're essentially you're paying for one of your- For one of us old people. Yeah. You and Sam, for example, <laughs> I'm counting on to yes. pay for me. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. <laughs> so uh, step it up. <laughs> so, so, all right. Demographics are changing the game here on Social Security. Does that mean people who are collecting Social Security right now, there, there could be a day where they don't have a benefit? Does this, does this thing kind of wipe out? It's a great question. That's, that's, that, that's the kind of the big boogeyman in the, in the corner. And, and my, my argument, and, and the argument of most people uh, who are kind of focused on this issue, is no, it's not going away. Social Security is not going away feel free to use social security as a part of your planning. However, be open to the idea that benefits may change, the amount that you have to pay in, in order to get those benefits may change down the road and will change, should change, and you know, uh, kind of have to change. Yeah, and arguably the, the folks that are dealing with social security, they must have seen this coming. I mean, the demographic <laughs> changes didn't just one morning we wake up. You don't and think this was just a big surprise that all yeah. of landed on us um, uh, this past year? It does seem like uh, politically it's a very touchy subject to start addressing Social Security. And that may be the reason why it's not put on the sure, forefront quite absolutely. a bit. Yeah. Um, because we're talking about taking away benefits from our older generations right here in this country. Um, how do we fix it? What What are the changes here? The Well, so... We started off with kind of dispelling the myth that it's not fixable, it is fixable, or that it's going away, it's not going away. Um, the myth that it's not fixable, it is fixable. And I'm gonna dispel with one more myth. And that additional myth is that it's just this draconian change that has to go into place in order to salvage social security. You know, people yep. have to, you know, retire at 90 now, or, uh, you know, you have to give up half your paycheck right. uh, in order to do this, or we have to borrow our way into oblivion in order to pay for, um, uh, to pay for my retirement. None of the above is true. In fact, you know, it, it, it's almost laughable to see how much of a political third rail this has become. Uh, what, because when you look at it, there's uh, there's small changes that can be implemented, both on how much people are paying in, increasing that, yep. or how much people are taking out, decreasing that potentially, either by you know changing the benefits or just changing you know certain people's eligibility for benefits. And there's... Uh, there's, it can be done, and, and frankly, I've done it, um, uh, uh, and, and done the math on it, and, and, and found ways of very small changes here and there that actually fix Social Security, or at least fix the projection of Social Security. You're right, it's been a long time since we've known that Social Security wasn't going to quite make it. Back in 1983, there were changes to how they take Social Security benefits, and they moved it out from a, in a gradual way from age 65 to 67, yep. being the full retirement age. Um, they thought that would fix it for a little bit, but it became very obvious shortly thereafter that that wasn't going to fix it permanently. And so it's been since, I've, you know, I've been in the industry since the year, early 1990s, 
uh, you know, mid 1990s, and uh, and we we had sessions on it back then. Yeah. So it's it's not something new. But the issue is those little things that I'm talking about become bigger and bigger every year that we put it off. If we right. put it off for another five years, I can't guarantee that you know the when when I talk about little changes being made that they're, they're going to be as little. Yeah. And the way I like to think about it, this is great. And actually, Jim did this. There's a tool out there where you can kind of play with your scenarios, right? Sure. Where you can put different inputs in. And and Jim corrected and fixed Social Security <laughs> for us. So uh, he has my You're vote. welcome. Yeah, you have my vote for whatever political <laughs> office you're running for. Um, but I do like to think of it like a retirement plan, right? Someone comes in, maybe they're short of their goal. We talk about increasing savings today. The longer we put that goal off, that extra savings, the bigger it has to be down the road. Really great way to uh, um, identify it and, and understand it. It's a way we can explain it to financial advisors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should need some of those. Um, so anyone out there uh, who wants more information on this, check out Jim's blog. He talks about the things that he did, but it does seem like let's stop putting this off and start making the small tweaks today. So in 10, 15 whatever years down the road, we're not making the draconian big sweeping change that needs to happen. Sure. And even if you don't have the stomach to go through my entire blog, um, just take the time to go out to a website, CF, nope, crfb.org. stands for Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. Okay. Um, and their tool out there that I used to fix Social Security is out there for you to fix Social Security. Your fixes might not look like my fixes. Yeah. Um, but uh, but there's, you know, that's the that's the great thing about it. You can you can put in something that uh, that uh, kind of supports your values on how it gets fixed. And I think if everybody did that, everybody would get a good feel for a, how easy this thing is to fix, and B, how inexcusable it is for us to kick it down the road any further. I'll, I'll make sure I drop the link below us. Click Super. that, uh, play around with it. Uh, yeah, down there. We, we'd love to hear if you did fix it. Put a comment on what you did to love fix that. it. We, we'd love to see it. It's also right next to that like and subscribe button. So if you know while you're down there, you might as well click those. Too. Convenient. Um, all right, Jim, let's dive into the last segment here. HSA is the financial planning kind of piece of, uh, of the podcast. These are fairly new, uh, especially if we're looking, like you said, across your career of using uh, an HSA. Um, this is a health savings account. Uh, you can only use it if you have a high deductible plan. So the ugly cousin of the HSAs, I like to think about it, would be your flex spending plan, um, uh, your FSA. Big difference though, right? You put money into that to help pay for your medical expenses, but at the end of the year, if you have money left in there, you'll lose it. HSA is a little different, right? Sure is. And that's one of the bigger, you know, uh, uh, misconceptions because the FSAs, the flexible spending accounts have been a lot around since I was your age, Tyler. And yeah. uh, they've, uh, uh, and, and that's the thing that people are most used to. Yeah, HSAs, health savings accounts, Throughout our lives as financial advisors, we kind of go out hunting for these kind of odd animals that are just the, the, the most fascinating things to us. I can see like, you know, Steve Irwin, you know, uh, <laughs> just say, this is a beautiful thing. It's just an absolutely beautiful thing uh, where you get to take money off of your taxable income, put it aside. And then when you spend it for a qualifying expense, it doesn't get taxed at that point. Wait a minute. So it doesn't get taxed going in. Right. Doesn't get taxed coming out. I mean, you think about traditional IRAs, 
don't get taxed going in, get taxed going out. Roth IRAs don't get taxed going out, but do get taxed going in. This has the those elements of both. Those are my favorite. My tax-free gym is my favorite. Uh, anyone who's listening to the podcast knows that. So, all right, we have tax-free money coming in, tax-free money going out. If you use it for a qualified healthcare expense, right? Um, but it's not just limited to you, right? You could, I know in my HS, HSA, uh, when my wife had her baby, I was paying for that through my HSA. So right. you can use it on family members, things like that. Great okay. flexibility there. Um, what if we put money in there? Oh, and like we said, at the end of the year, if you don't spend it, it stays in the account. Right. Uh, you can invest it in there. But let's say we've been just putting money in this uh, right along. We're getting into retirement and we have too much money and then we're not going to spend it all on our health care. You probably will if you're paying attention to the cost of health care. But is the money just locked in there if we don't use it for health expenses? It's it's a really great question. And 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 even before I get to that, yeah. I mean, you, you kind of alluded to this, but people think of an HSA, especially if you're getting one through your employers, as being like a 401k plan or something like that. And it's not. Your HSA is your HSA. You can set up your own. Yep. You don't have to go with what your employer has set up. You can invest the money or not. Um, and, and so in, in that way, it's a little bit different in that it's a lot closer to you. But you're right. If you're not using the money for, for qualifying medical expenses, and I'll tell you, this is exactly how I do my HSA. I mean, I'm putting money in pre-tax. The money's you know, growing on a tax deferred basis. And, you know, when I go to the doctor, I could use my little card there to pay for my uh, HSA you know, eligible expenses. But actually, I don't do that. I got to leave it in there because I love that idea of that continued tax deferred growth. Yeah. What is my thoughts around it? Well, sometime down the future, I, I might have a big expensive you know, surgery that I have to have done. And now I've got a bigger pool of money to be able to uh, use on it. Or as you're alluding to, once you turn age 65, you don't have to use that money for healthcare expenses anymore to avoid a penalty. You can take that money out and use it for a nice trip to Las Vegas or something <laughs> like that. Yep. Now, the one gotcha there is that in that particular case, now it's more like an IRA where the money is going to be taxable to right. you, but you've still deferred it all that time. And, and if you use it in that fashion, it gives you extra money to put away into that. You know, how many times you talk with people who want to put money into an IRA and we say, you can only put $7,000 in, you're 50 years old, you can only do that. And they want to put more, right? This gives you that option. Sure. And you get an extra thousand once you get over uh, 50, I believe in that. I believe there's a catch up in the HSA. I've well. heard. Yep. So uh, just, it can be a great planning tool for right now, but also a great planning tool down the road. Absolutely. So the big caveat here is you need a high deductible plan. Um, and, and the way I treat it, uh, you kind of got into yours, is I like to hold what I have uh, for a deductible in cash in my HSA. Yep. Uh, so if I get hit by a That's bus, a great idea. I can, I know I'm going to be able to pay for it. <laughs> and anything beyond that, I start to invest. Great and, strategy. Um, kind of plan for the future with it but um that's all i think we have for you guys today unless i miss anything jim that was an exciting lineup of, <laughs> of topics right there i enjoyed it well uh again check out jim's blog so right on our web uh page penobscotfa.com uh the social security one is not the only great one he's got a ton of them i am going to drop that link below tell us how you fix social security we're interested we're really interested uh and uh make sure you like and subscribe
thanks for uh thanks for coming on jim thank you guys for having me <laughs> the foregoing content reflects the opinions of penobscot financial advisors and is subject to change at any time without notice content provided herein is for informational purposes only and should not be used or construed as investment advice or a recommendation regarding the purchase or sale of any security there is no guarantee that the statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be correct. Thank you.